name's David. And I'm Russell. And it's good to be back. <laughs> I was wondering which of us were going to say that. <laughs> I thought I'd leave a pregnant pause there and see if you're going to start the panic. And he did, which was yeah. marvellous. Yeah, I did. <laughs> so, how are you? I'm alright, I'm a bit knackered. Knackered? Knackered why? From many days in a row of painting. Well, it's, uh, it's been nice, you know, this time of year, it's starting to get, get light in the evenings, which is nice. And the best thing about it is I don't have to suffer so many blooming idiots with their fog lights on in their cars. <laughs> I am so sick. It happened to me on, on the way here to record this evening. This is just starting to get dark, really. And I, What possesses people? Why, why? Why do they have their fog lights on? Well, you know what? Going back in time, old new style for this one. I remember when we still, when we were relatively young, and I guess it must have been Mam was in the AA, and she used to get the AA magazine through the post. Oh yes. And there was a letters page in that, and there was discussion about fog. Someone had written in the month before about you know fog. the The definition of fog is droplets of water suspended in the air, something like that. A thick mist. Yeah. Yeah, and some fool. I could just imagine them, sort of angry from uh, Basingstoke. Basingstoke, yeah. my, uh, um, Tubridge well, Wells is what, the what it. What is what is more like uh, droplets of water suspended in the air than rain? Was oh, what he wrote. So his argument, he's going to put he, he his, puts his fog lights on in the rain. It's in the name. It says fog. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, Oh, it gets right up my nose. I was just thinking about this, right? Because the, the the rule is is a hundred meters visibility or something, isn't it? Or is it, is it less than that? It's, like it's very very rare that fog is actually that thick that you would ever be justified mm. putting yeah. front headlamps on. Back headlight headlamp their backlights is not so. Yeah, it's two light posts distant. Right, there you go. And it's very rare that, that fog is that sort of heavy. Mm-hmm. There's bad there's probably coastal areas or whatever, but it's maybe it's more common. But it. If like say say for example would like in a in a fit of deregulation the government were to abolish that rule tomorrow do you think there would be a section of society would then delight in making their cars into rally cars and then they would have like sixteen lamps on the front <laughs> yes you just know just that blinding that, people like, it, well you know what I I dislike <laughs> these really really bright blue headlights. Oh yes, that's kind of yeah. it. You, you you look in your mirror and you think, oh god, there's a police car behind us, and then you realise, no, it's just someone with ridiculous headlights about three miles behind you. Yeah, that's right. Going up and down. Yeah, because as they go slightly bumps. on the angle, yeah, they they have this, yeah, the the blue colour. I love the way the fact that you're always looking in your review mirror <laughs> and saying, my god, it's the it's the old <laughs> it's bill, the it's the the Rosers. Quick. <laughs> Quick. Put, put, put the killer whale back in the boot. <laughs> Get Shamu out of here, right? Is that uh, that's that's an old Simpsons joke? Isn't it? <laughs> right, yeah. Oh dear, yeah. But if you're if you're if you're knackered because uh, of decorating, I'm slightly knackered because I spent a portion of my weekend shoveling compost <laughs> into a wheelbarrow and like humping it from one end of the village to the other one of the things that amazed me though compost was like you'd think there would be like an even spread of worms in compost you know compost no, is right, going yeah, right yeah, except there was actually like a layer of worms Ugh. and there was bits of it where there was actually just solid balls of worms writhing in big clumps oh, I'm really glad I didn't help yeah it looked not unlike noodles Oh. It's the old 
news. We have beer this we have week. beer, yes. And it's of a legally determined strength. Yeah, it's actually real beer. Real beer. Yeah. <laughs> so are we going to advertise on behalf of the other uh, manufacturer? Well, I, I've got one that's named after a certain spotted bird. And uh, I have one which the pronunciation is always in dispute. Cause no, it's, a, it's not always in dispute. It is, is pronounced it? correctly one way, and it's pronounced in the French way. If you're talking about something else, well, the the famous engineering firm, yes, right, who is Canadian, isn't it? Yeah, well, French Canadian, French from Canadian. Quebec. Uh, ah, right, I did not know that. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, I guess would they they describe themselves as French if they're from Quebec? No, well, I don't. I think they would describe themselves as French Canadian, <laughs> not French. Because remember, they're still royalists. Oh they, yes, they didn't go through the revolution. That is true. I wonder if mm. there's anybody in French Canada that still retains noble titles. That would not be entirely outlandish because there's still places in there in Germany, I think it is, where people still like have titular titles, and it is all still sort of mm-hmm. oh, yeah. kept going despite the mm-hmm. fact that you know it's been a republic for quite some time. I guess. When did the Kaiser get the push? Um, I nearly said 2018 there, 1918. <laughs> and right at the end yeah, of the, the First the World, World War, War, yeah. Old news. Right, so bringing this back up to date. <laughs> yeah. Back into the 20th century. Yeah. Um, so I, we're going to change the running order slightly, and um, I'm going to do the how to get in touch with us bit. Yeah, because it would be great to hear from some of the listeners and also hear some of their opinions as well. Yeah. Like if people think an episode is good or bad, you know, please please let us know. But tell us why you thought it was good or bad. That that would be really interesting. Feedback. Feedback. Yeah. Uh, Evidence rich feedback. <laughs> there's, there's people <laughs> oh, I know from work. <laughs> Tor curling. You know. Okay, that has sort of a workplace sort of written all over it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. Uh, you can get in touch with us by going to our website www.oldnews.podbean.com You can email us at oldnewspod at gmail.com You can go to our Facebook page just search for Old News Podcast You can tweet at us You know I never know how to word this I want to say tweet us at Old News Pod but is it tweet us at at Old News Pod at, yeah, the at at is kind of at, awkward at. Yeah, I, I, would, I would sacrifice grammatical correctness and just use one at and we're also on YouTube. Again, just search for Old News Podcast. You're right? going to insert a silly sound effect at that point, <laughs> I don't you? know. You went mad in the last episode. Oh, Jacques- oh, mad, mad, I tell you. Two, two sound effects. Jacques, <laughs> you're, 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 build, you're building a soundboard and you're, you're, you're going to go power mad. We do now have a folder on, on the hard disk here for podcast sound effects. Amusing sound effects because we all know what it's like. Amusing sound effects are going to be like boing, <laughs> squelch. Now, now you're just giving us excuses. Yeah, oh, marvelous. Right. Okay. So we should probably talk a little bit about today's subject, which is yeah. digital switchover. Digital switchover. <laughs> Our news. We thought we'd revisit this just because it was kind of one of these curious incidents in fairly recent history uh, that everybody talked about. And there was like an awful lot of sort of wailing and gnashing of teeth uh, about whether people are going to be excluded and, you know, the effect on on things which are very, very important to us. But kind of seemed to pass over without much further comment. But yeah. uh, I think there's some interesting issues which we'll get to sort of along the way. So in old news, we've always 
talked about specific dates so the date i've chosen is uh, the 24th of october 2012 which was the last day of the switch over i generally thought that the last area to switch over from analog tv to digital tv entirely was uh, our area tiny tees and london but apparently uh, it wasn't it was on the 24th a couple of days later than us in the utv area which was based in northern ireland and the reason why that was slightly delayed was because it was all done in conjunction with a similar switch over in the republic of ireland uh, where they they switched off their analog services as well so obviously people will be very familiar with the existing what was the existing 625 line system and one of the things that i think we might uh sort of put a bit of a health warning on this episode like when i was looking in, into this i realized it was very easy to drown in like <laughs> a technical jargon mm-hmm. some of which i was familiar with and some of which was like I have no idea what they're on about. There's a whole load of technical issues. There, there will be a few things which are maybe to be UK only, so we'll try and spot... If I use something that's UK only, like, shout at me, we'll try and explain, and I'll do the same for you. Right. Because right, we'll, there'll be some ob- obscure things along the way. So, so Tang Tees <laughs> was a regional television... is a regional television area betwixt... The rivers of Tyne and Tees. Well, it went up to the border with Scotland, it did, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. The whole tra- transitional period was from 2007 to 2012. So the, this this was done in a staged process. The very first bit was actually a trial in uh, March of 2005 in a place called Ferryside uh, Transmitter, which was a bit of Wales, including Clan Stefan. Uh, forgive my, my Welsh pronunciation uh, and one of the things that was really interesting was that even at that, that early stage they realised there was people who had a weak analogue signal who'd been getting, getting by fine for years and years despite a certain amount of fuzziness and snow and when they changed to di- digital uh, nothing it yeah. didn't work yeah so which is probably something we might return to the whole thing was organised orchestrated by a, a company called Digital UK Jointly owned by the BBC, ITV and Channel 4. It was delivered under budget and on time. This wasn't the first time that the UK, and I presume the other countries have similar things, that the UK had gone through uh, similar processes. The first one I have, that this greatly amused me, was on the 11th of September 1935, which was the very first television broadcasts were in uh, John Logie Baird's system uh, with 30 lines. And I think the 30-line system was where they used to broadcast vision and audio alternatively on, right. on a couple of minutes by couple of minutes basis. That sounds really weird now that you wouldn't have audio concurrent with the, the visual. But at the time, it would have been very similar to silent film. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. Because you would have scene would play out, card with speech or you know mm-hmm. setting the meanwhile back at the ranch right yeah. like traditionally yeah that, that, that just dawned on me uh, so then they moved to 240 lines the bed system was totally abandoned on the saturday the 13th of feb uh, 1937 nobody go down the rabbit warren of oh let's research things which are <laughs> slightly off the point like one of the main reasons that the bed system was gotten rid of uh, was because like it was incredibly cumbersome and I didn't realise that in order to actually scan the image 
they used to record with film and then the film while it was it would be instantly developed and while it was still wet would then run through the television scanner right and then be broadcast so while you were broadcasting with the bad system you ended up with just like heaps and heaps and heaps of film on the floor right yeah <laughs> what an utterly bizarre it's yeah. totally cumbersome you know mm. the fact that he's really not really get away from and so uh, uh, one, of the, one of the things I thought I might do now at this point is redress a bit of balance because everybody talks about Baird knows the great British hero Baird mm. uh, sort of developing TV but actually the system we got was Marconi EMI which is a very famous company still in existence in one form or the other and there's two fellas, Isaac uh, Schenberg and Alan Blumlein, who both were living in Britain at the time, came from elsewhere. And I think uh, Blumlein more or less came up with the modern TV system one morning in his bed on a Sunday morning. <laughs> ah, that's why I, why it's good that I spend so much time just sitting in bed in the morning. Yeah, exactly right. Because you might one day be... I'll invent television. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I find it remarkable because because they they had had this thought that the bed system was just ridiculous and there might be a better way of doing it and they'd been working on it under the leadership of Schoenberg and he, he just sort of thought about it one morning and it, it just all came to him he was like an electronics genius and he went in on the Monday morning and said right this is the way it's really going to work all the work we've done now plus all this other stuff and we got the 405 line system which lasted uh, it was kind of is black and white only until 1985 right which was, yeah it was amazing to think that that old system was still knocking around until quite late despite the advent of you know 625 line and color broadcasting in the 60s mm-hmm. first first station in color bbc2 bbc2 yeah the snooker was it the snooker, was it? I believe so, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And for those watching in black and white, the red ball is the one behind the play, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For those international listeners, snooker is a game that's a bit like pool, but better. Yeah. <gasps> Controversial. Well, it's more skilled. We ended up adopting in, in 2012 this uh, di- digital terrestrial system, which is DVB-T. Although you see this written on televisions, it's a, it's a, an acronym we never sort of use, is it? You know, it's Digital Video Broadcasting Terrestrial. And there are a load of other systems around the world. Like most of Europe has gone for a similar system, the same or similar system as us. Mm-hmm. Canada had it and then abandoned it, presumably because they have the problems that like America has. It's such a vast area, producing a network that's kind of meaningful is like incredibly expensive. Mm-hmm. But whereas they they tend to have more sort of regional systems that broadcast over large large areas. So I think they've gone more different directions with satellite technology and and things, but much more. Oh, of course, the cable, cable. system. Cable systems are so so much more common there as well. Yeah, so DBBT launches and it's a long before the switch off of analog, and it just has this incredibly painful birth. So, like a certain chunk of it is given over to the BBC, right? And I think we should both declare Claire an interest here at this this point. Right? I love the BBC. Yeah. <laughs> Do you love the BBC? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm being inducted into something now. <laughs> it's some sort of cult. I love the BBC. <laughs> yeah. But I think what one of the one of the criticisms of a lot of these systems isn't it that we instinctively we gave the BBC a huge amount of bandwidth, mm-hmm. which they promptly didn't out with. 
for a long time. Yeah, they did very li- little with. Yeah, <laughs> for our international <laughs> listeners, nout means nothing. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but obviously they're 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 one of the big boys of uh, of broadcasting the UK, and, and you know they will be for a long time. Yes, and so you've got like this sort of private thing that uh, which is uh, like a paid for system that everybody's forgotten about called on digital. No, everyone remembers it because of the monkey. The monkey. Monkey. Oh yeah, the terrible advertising. What? 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 Stop! Stop! Right there. <laughs> Classics of advertising. I think you meant to say. Was 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 he? Isn't that where you were going? Uh, I guess. Right. So <laughs> wasn't this the, the cheeky monkey that yes. then went on to advertise? Tea? He's still doing it as well. I think. Yeah. With um, PG tips. Yeah, but who's the comedian? Vegas. Johnny Vegas. Johnny Vegas. Yes. yes. Yeah. For our international audience, Johnny Vegas is a well-regarded comedian. Um, who am I? Well-regarded in air quotes. <laughs> well, I imagine they're... Uh, well, I didn't do air quotes. You did air quotes. Uh, I, I imagine that humour doesn't really translate overseas particularly well. But the idea is that there was a very limited platform at this point, like a very narrow amount of space to broadcast commercial content. And they made it a paid-for system. Uh, so you had to have like a de-encryption and there was a card you bought, I remember, to, for the, and you slotted mm-hmm. the card in or whatever, which sort of vaguely resembled BBC Select. I can't remember that. Yeah, totally forgotten about it. It was an analogue system years ago where the BBC was selling t- ed- educational content and things in the evenings, like right. at night. And you had to have oh, a right. yeah the big circle logo yeah and you okay. you, you, you had to you had to have a special box with a card you put it down. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally forgotten about I mean, and the uses of this just it didn't work it financially collapsed one of the major well you say that you know that's basically the same system as Sky was and still is it's a box that you put a card in yeah but isn't this the problem here that why not just get Sky for a lot of the same content at that point well, for more content for more con- con- content yeah. yeah the things like the discovery channel and whatever you know as well as the sport and everything else and so that collapses one of the main shareholders in that is Granada Television which is the, the local TV station around Manchester but then it, it gets taken over by ITV Digital and ITV as a unified company at that point then decides to try and make this work and it financially collapses too and then we move to the free view system which is what we have now you know that it's just a free a free to wear broadcaster but the difference is that it's a digital platform rather than the old yeah. analog platform because now it's a digital platform that, that we all have to use i think the fact that it had such a troubled birth says something about it's kind of its long-term future uh, I mean, the other aspect of its birth was like like set top boxes as well. Did did you own a set top box? Yes. Yeah. So before televisions had the circuitry built in, we know we all had to have these set top boxes, right? Did you also have the thing where you could change the channel but not the volume? No, I think it had a vol. I, I try, I'm trying to remember. I think it had a volume control. Yeah. So that mine, mine, and that I wasn't the only one. That I realised there was a few models like this when I asked asked around that. You could change the channel on the set-top box, but you still had to use the TV remote for the sound. Like, this was doomed doomed to failure. One thing I did quite quickly was I got a universal remote. Right. Like, programmed it up, and so I could... You just pressed a button on the top, made it. I even set it up so there was magic buttons, and you could press a button, and it would turn everything on and set everything to the right level and go to a channel that I liked. 
I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think w- w- one of the things that I think says something about the, weak- the weakness of the system, still as it is, that Freeview still hasn't got like the coverage that the old analog systems had, despite like installation of multiple relays and whatever. You know, it still hasn't quite worked. And the fact that we ended up with FreeSat, the free satellite system. Mm-hmm. As an alternative to all the broadcasters, you know, BBC, ITV, Channel 4, they end up having to produce another service to, to make sure that everybody has access to digital tally. Old news. That was kind of the digital switchover, and there was this huge amount of concern about people getting excluded and whatever. But one of the things which we thought we'd look at was the digital switchover, which didn't happen. So uh, I wonder if you, you know, you looked a little bit at that, didn't you? Which was the switchover on the radio. Yeah, the radio switchover. So often gets overlooked because so much listening is still being done on the old FM uh, frequencies. Of course, there are digital radios. If you go and buy a radio now, they're invariably digital. Not always, though. Still a lot of particularly... Or quite, or quite, quite often dual radios. You yeah. know, in the same way we had an awful lot of radios were... FM AM, yeah, yeah. the now DAB FM. Yeah, um, I did look up how many cars are sold with DAB radios. Given that a lot of radio listening goes on in cars, and as of quarter one of 2016, 77 percent of all new cars sold had DAB radios fitted, which equates over the year over 2016 to roughly 2.2 million cars, which is a lot, but it still leaves. A lot of cars being sold without DAB radios, mm. and you you do wonder with all the technology that goes into cars now. You know all the iPad connect, iPod, sorry, iPod connectivity and Bluetooth and all the rest. Why of it. why are cars still getting? It is because presumably yeah. it's slightly cheaper brands that sell yeah. them without. Well, it'll be the lower end cars. I mean, my car is a lower end car. Mine too. And we, it was sold. You had you had to get the model, the model above, like the super duper model, to mm. get the DAB radio. And it wasn't an optional extra, which I found odd yeah, as well. Add-on is, and it's it's actually bizarrely difficult, I think, to get your car radio upgraded. Yeah, you can go to Halfords and buy an aftermarket radio, but they never work as well. Yeah, they never ever work as well as a proper radio. Yeah. So I don't. I n- I've never understood why. You can't see it at the garage. Right, that's great. I'll have that car, but can you put a different kind of radio in, please? What do you think's driving this? Because it could be two things, couldn't it, right? Is there an associated cost with the installation of DAB? Like, are you buying licenses to fit chips? Well, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah no, like, because no, there is the DAB consortium is in the dones, all that, right? So, or is it because there's not really enough actual demand people saying mm-hmm. i insist we have dab it then just becomes an optional extra they can charge more for yeah i, I just I, I just wonder if that's maybe the thing you know mm-hmm. and of course what's what's got what's always going to kill that demand is it's being overtaken by other te- technologies isn't it yeah internet radio yeah uh, uh, to go into in a way to get back to what <laughs> the switch over it was originally planned to switch over radio to entirely DAB, digital audio broadcasting, in two thousand and fifteen. Right. So we've two missed years ago. Yeah, we've we've missed that. Yeah. And it's now looking to probably be twenty twenty. The radio industry we're pushing for twenty eighteen. It's not gonna be practical. Yeah, because the the, gov- the government have set a load of criteria, haven't haven't they? You know, instead mm-hmm. of having a fixed date for switch switchover, they've said that coverage has to be the same as FM and 
national radio coverage has to match uh, the FM co- coverage. Right. So that's pretty hard that's to do. demanding. Because that's yeah. 98% of the country. We'll see also the parallel with the DVB system. You know, the, yeah. The, yeah, what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, local digital radio has to reach 90% of the population. And 50% of listening is to be on digital. Right. So well, that suggests that 50% of listening isn't on yeah. digital yet. Now, I've, that's going to be hard as well because I bet a lot of local radio listening, particularly like local BBC stations and things, will be in uh, far flung in rural communities. Yes. Which tend to be more vested in local ser- services. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, that's going to be harder to, to get digital systems to them. So, again, because there's two sort of switchovers here that haven't happened in the past, isn't there? When FM came in in the 70s, wasn't it, when that started, it was always thought that the AM signal would be switched off because mm-hmm. who wants to listen to mono sound? But in fact, what happened was we ended up with a whole AM market and FM market. Yeah. And the, the AM system merrily carries along still goes along yeah it's just as busy on those bands as it ever was so presumably you make less money on them now than you used to so that switch over sort of in the 70s 80s never really or switch off never happened and then there was a switch over that never really happened there was an alternative digital system for the AM band called DRM which is long since forgotten about but that was tested very briefly in Devon in the early 2000s and then that never happened because we said well we're already going for DAB so we're going to end up with like DAB and another digital system for the AM bands and so that died the death as, as well so it seems like switch over radio is is quite hard because we're all kind of quite vested in the existing systems and maybe it's like FM's adequate in some mm, ways yeah and, and DAB if you listen to the sound quality between an FM radio and DAB there's either no noticeable difference, or in fact, sometimes the FM sounds better. Yeah. Because yeah, it's, it's less compressed. Yeah, and famously, is it Radio 4? Just like supposedly like a flagship service for the BBC, uh, speech broadcasting. A lot a lot of it is, is mono on, yeah. on the digital system. So, I know it's a, it's, it's a, it's a weird thing. And I was just wondering whether we've had the digital switchover on television essentially forced upon us. And I was wondering if they'd allowed market forces to do it for us on television, would would be in the same position? I think it would have still happened faster than radio, but you would still have lots and lots of particularly older people not moving. Buying a new telly, you know, a high definition is, you know, it's a look at me, look at my brilliant TV. So a lot of people would go out and purposely buy them because it's a it's a sort of show off purchase. Yeah. So I think more people would have bought them faster. To go back to the um, point of, is this like the last legs? What? Did, how did you describe it? Well, the, the the I don't know the last throw of the the last throw of the dice. dice yeah. So, yeah. There's so many competing systems. If if you take my house as an example, I've got one DAB radio in the kitchen, but if I want to listen to the radio in the living room, I just put it on on my sky. Yeah. If I want to listen to the radio up in my bedroom, I've got a free sat box. I just put yeah. it on there. Well, I think as things increasingly become internet-y, mm-hmm. if that's a word, yeah. yeah, this is all this sort of technology convergence things that's been going on for years and years. Then you know things like internet radio and you know things like Netflix and 
the uh, Amazon Prime and so on. Mm-hmm. All these things all just come through the data, tubes. Yeah, data through the the, yeah, the series of tubes, mm-hmm. uh, and and so all these systems start to look like obscure endnotes yeah. that we will have for for maybe a few more years yet, but will gradually wither on the vine. Old news. So I think that nicely uh, moves into like my next point which is about uh well i've called it ghettoization one of the things that digital systems do uh they've, they've created a huge amount of choice and this is always the argument isn't it that especially from the commercial side greater choice for the consumer which, which I, I broadly support but it it also means that you get lots and lots of separate channels for different things and things become ghettoized in ways which i think are, are damaging so a, a good example i think is children's tv so we used to have children's tv slots on the main channels that was all well and good but one of the side benefits to that was that it was also a way into adult services for children as they grew up children as, as they grew up and i think that's very important for things like well the old broadcasters like itv commercially but also of course the bbc the bbc has to justify why they exist because of the license fee and if children are just going to watch children's services and then as they become adults just go elsewhere mm-hmm. through things like broadcast through you know over the internet or, or, or whatever the bbc might very quickly see its audience wither away no, it, it it hasn't happened yet. You no, know, because they've had big hits in the last ten ten years. But I don't. I just. I'd just be interesting to see over the next ten twenty years. You know, is is the existing system stands? Will younger people just then stop engaging with old broadcast media? We're part of the problem here, are we? Mm-hmm. Providing alternative outlets. Well, well, either the barriers are reduced. It just even just broadcast. Yes. Yeah, here we are. We bought two microphones. That's it. Yeah, Great. Yeah. You know, away we go in the pen and paper. One of the, one of the other things is like some problems of get of ghettoization though. I think it's multifaceted. Right. So separate from children's programs, we've got youth programming, right? So the BBC had BBC three. And it's very easy to bash BBC three because it put out some rubbish, right? And I've got a friend who we agree on almost things broadcasting, but the BBC chopped BBC three and it's made it online only. And my friend was going, "Well, it was rubbish, right? Just absolute nonsense, whatever." But a that might be true, but there was some good stuff yeah. on it. And B, do you not think the BBC should be serving young people? Young people, and it's an easy service to cut because it's maybe it's quite a narrow market. Yeah. Young people don't have much of a say. Yeah, and so when cuts come, and cuts may have to come, and it did for the BBC, yeah. it got attacked, and there was nobody to defend it. And this, well, I think there's a terrible culture in this problem of just bashing young people and bashing children mm-hmm. anyway, which is like just a cultural thing we have. And then the third aspect of ghettoization, which I think is maybe is a little more serious, is particularly services devoted to black and ethnic minority communities. Or just sort of minority broadcasting in general. So we used to give an enormous splodge of spectrum to minority broadcasting because that's why we have Channel Four on TV. Right, so Channel Four is nationally owned but kind of funded commercially through advertising, and you know, their remit is to produce content for minority interest. Right. Whether the, whether Channel Four still fulfills that remit now yeah, is yeah up for debate. Yeah, very very debatable. The BBC have things like uh, One Extra, which is sort of a, a music radio station just for black music. 
yeah, music bl- of Black Origin. Yeah, yeah, music of Black Origin and, and sort of urban music. They might say because urban is, of course, we all know a synonym for black. You know, mm. so that's that's just so get over that. And we've also got the uh, the Asian service as well. And again, I just thought it, it's a weird form of ghettoization because it must be then very hard for other main popular channels to kind of justify giving space to that kind of broadcasting. And I just think that might be quite bad in society that would become increasingly... It's being done with all the best intentions, but is it actually going to have the opposite effect of what those intentions were? Yeah. These problems, I think, are, are, are all building up to the bigger question is, you know, is broadcasting just the idea that you would broadly cast... cast cast stuff into the ether for it to be passively received is that dead is that model dead are we going to are we going to go to a world where it is just fully on demand i think there will always be a market for just passive watching or listening because there'll always be a certain number of people at certain times who just want something going on in the background oh i guess can't you do that with a spotify list yeah or a robot. It, it, that what's, does that for what's you. the well? What's the difference between just going on Spotify and saying play some music mm. and turn the radio on? There's no Spotify is in that sense. If you're using it like that, it's essentially just a radio station. I guess it is. Yeah, and it's your it's the radio station of your choice because presumably it'll tend to play things that are in your taste. Mm. You know, that match your previous selections or whatever. I guess you're right in that it's like choosing a channel and listening to it, I guess. My take on it, as much as I'm a fan of technology and uh, interesting systems, I think digital telly, in the end, will probably go the way of the dodo in Mm -hmm. one way or the other. Yeah. Because your television will eventually just end up on the end of an internet connection rather than on the end of a radio signal. Yeah. Maybe the listeners agree or don't agree. Mm, Get in touch. (laughs) Get in touch. It's old news! So at this point of the proceedings, I guess it's kind of traditional to appeal to the listeners. To uh, We're always open to new ideas for to- topics for old news. So if you'd like to get in touch, uh, please go down any of the channels mentioned earlier in the podcast and let us know, because I think there's a few of the topics we've done now have been listener suggestions and have been... Quite a few. Actually, more of them have been listener suggestions than ours. Than ours, yeah, and they've been quite popular. So thank you to those people who've already contributed and and more, please. At this point, we also do the thank yous. So we'd like to thank bensound.com for providing royalty-free music. And also to the great Peter Kitson for the use of his voice. Oldeth, Newseth. So in a huge change of pace for old news, we've actually um, decided to plan ahead a little bit. Uh, we, we usually just decide the fortnight before the next one what we're going to do. So coming up in the, the next two episodes, we'll be looking at the breakup of Czechoslovakia. And after that, New Orleans and Louisiana... Louisiana after um, Hurricane Katrina. 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 If you'd like to, if you've got anything to add to either either of those subjects, any insider knowledge that might help us. Insider knowledge or something, perhaps an aspect of it you'd like us to look at and and reflect on uh, in the past. Yeah, that, 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 that would be excellent. Get in touch. That's it. That is it. And that was old news. Goodbye. Goodbye.